There is a Japanese proverb that says, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. The nail that sticks up gets hammered down. It's a not-so-subtle call to conformity, a call to not stand out too much, to not push back too much, to not rock the boat too much, to just settle in. Now, whether you've ever heard that proverb before or not, I think we all fairly intuitively feel that message. I mean, who of us wants to to stand out, to stick out? Who of us wants to get hammered down? And when it comes to our faith, I think this very often leaks into the way we live out our faith. We, We desire the comfortable, the smooth, and the easy life. And as a result, we have this tendency quite often to pull back, to shrink back, rather than sticking out for Jesus. Now make no mistake, living for Jesus is is amazing and wonderful, and there is no better life, but living for Jesus can make us stick out in our schools with our classmates. Living for Jesus can, at times, rock the boat, in our workplaces. Living for Jesus at times can get us in some uncomfortable spots in certain relationships in our lives. Maybe we don't mention this very often, but quite frankly, living for Jesus can cause us trouble. Living for Jesus can cause us trouble. A week and a half ago, I was at a conference in Toronto for our denomination, and over lunch, I sat together with this brother from Iran. And he shared with me how he came to know Jesus in that country, and as a result, he lost everything. At the moment that he gave his life to Jesus, his entire family disowned him. The police started to hunt him down. He was arrested and beaten and thrown in jail for being a Christian. When he was released, he tried to flee the country. He got out of the country to a refugee center that then deported him back into the country where he was again beaten, arrested, and his life was threatened. He barely made it out of the country, and if he were to ever return to his home nation, he would be killed. Sometimes living for Jesus causes us trouble. But the fact of the matter is, for most of us in this room, we know about a story like that. We're like, yeah, we know that is a real thing around the world, but that's not going to be most of our experiences in our lives here in this country, I don't think. But I'm not just talking about your life being at risk if you were to return to your homeland. Most of us won't face that, but we all face the reality that living for Jesus can sometimes make us stick out. I don't don't want the trouble that comes from telling my kids 
we can't play hockey on that particular team because the schedule for that team makes us have to have a decision, either God or sport. And I would rather just avoid the complaining that I would hear with my kids, so we just go along. I don't want the trouble of being that woman who pushes back against the gossip going around the circle. So I'll just silently go along with it and not say anything. I I, I don't want the trouble of my family getting all worked up because I really do feel like the Holy Spirit is convicting me. I need to stand up and get baptized, but what are they going to say? So instead of dealing with that, I'll just keep pushing down the conviction. The nail that sticks up gets hammered down. So, I think I just won't stick up. Today, as we dig into God's Word, we're in Acts chapter 5. Grab your Bibles out, please, and turn with me to Acts chapter 5. And we are going to hear a challenge for every single one of us. Here's the truth of God's Word that we're going to hear today, friends. Jesus is worth sticking out for and even being hammered down for. That's what we're going to see come out of God's Word here today. Acts chapter 5, we begin in verse 17. Then the high priests and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Last week, we saw the holiness of God on display in incredible and powerful ways. The holiness of God striking down in an instant a vile act of sin-filled pride. We saw the holiness of God healing miraculously the humble, and we saw the crowds from everywhere flocking to the apostles and these Sadducees, these religious leaders of the day, were were filled with jealousy, we read there in verse 17. So they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Back in chapter 4, you might remember We looked at the story of uh, this man who had been 40 years old, never been able to walk, instantly healed by Peter and John as they walked into the temple. When that happened, the religious leaders, these same religious leaders, arrested Peter and John, two of the apostles, beat them, threatened them, said, do not talk in this name anymore, and sent them out from there. Well, as we have seen over the last number of weeks, they were totally unfazed by that. They kept right on preaching the name of Jesus, and it's now landing the whole group of 12 back in the slammer. But, verse 19 says, During the night, an angel of the Lord appeared and opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. While the whole group of 12 are in jail, an angel sent directly from God to them wakes them up. Somehow, we don't really get a whole lot of detail, somehow opens the door even though the soldiers are sitting right there, walks them past the soldiers, somehow blinds them so that soldiers do not realize, right out the front door of the jail and sets them free. 
which leads us to our very first point. So if you're taking notes, here's the first point to jot down this morning. Jesus is worth sticking out for when trouble is behind you. Hear this today, Bethel. Jesus is worth sticking out for when trouble is behind you. Sometimes in life, you go through a hard time. You go through an obstacle. You go through a deep, dark valley, and you make it out the other side. The dark cloud lifts. The sickness is healed. The heaviness is released. And you come out the other side, and the the trouble is in the rearview mirror, right? Verse 18 and 19. Those are just really short verses, but but in those two verses, it's incredible. We, We read there, verse 18, that they are arrested and put in the public jail, Almost no details is given about their arrest, but, but I'm sure we can imagine that this was not a pleasant experience. Would you not agree? Almost certainly this involved them getting roughed up. They were thrown in a jail. Their lives are being threatened at this moment. This is not cozy, comfortable, you just get an extra night with a meal in the writ sort of thing. And then just as quickly, with relatively little detail, verse 19 says, during the night an angel brought them out. God miraculously sets them free. Now, if this were you, Try, try to, I, I often say this, try to enter into the text, okay? If this were you at this moment, what would you do? If this were me, if I'm just being honest, at this particular moment, here's the thought pattern that would kind of go through my head. Okay, so God, we've been serving you and we've been serving you really well. We've entered into the lion's den. We've done what you've asked us to do. We've been threatened, but we kept going. We, we preached even though they, they attacked us already. We kept going. And then the enemy came and attacked us and arrested us. And you instantaneously, miraculously set us free. Thank you, God. Okay, we've done our part. Now, isn't it kind of time for like us to head to Caesarea and have a little chill at the Mediterranean? Uh, we suffered. We served. We sacrificed. The enemy attacked. You clearly didn't want to leave us in jail, so that must mean now we just go to cruise, isn't it? That's what my mind would go. Anybody else in here have that be the thoughts that are going on in your head? When, when, When the trouble is in the rearview mirror and God brought us out, it's like, okay, thank you. But that's not at all what we see from our text. What we see from our text, though, is Jesus is worth sticking out for when trouble is behind you. Jesus is worth sticking out for when trouble is in the rearview mirror. When you can look in the rearview mirror and see that God got you through the trouble, the obstacle, the hardship, 
it is not time to go back to cruising the way you did in your old life. It's time to keep crying out to Jesus. It's time to keep leaning into Him for help. It's time to keep desperately turning to Jesus. It's time to keep sticking out for Jesus. The angel says to them, I am going to set you free so that, look at verse 20. I am setting you free so that you can go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. Go back into the fire. Go back into the most public place there is and stand up and keep preaching. At daybreak, verse 21, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and they began to think, to, to teach the people. Now think about the power of Jesus at work here. Jesus is the one who, who he, he literally sent an angel to them. He somehow opened the doors of a jail to get them free. He is the one who is powerful to overcome this obstacle and put it in their rearview mirror because he didn't rescue them to make their life smoother. He rescued the disciples so they could go back into the temple and keep telling about people about Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, when God puts trouble in your rearview mirror, he is not doing it so that you can return to your old life and now have a break at the beach. That's not why he's doing it. When God brings you through cancer and out the other side, he's not doing it so that you can now just cruise the rest of the way. When God lifts the despair of depression, He is not lifting that so now you can just have a smooth, easy life. When God carries you through the job loss and the wondering how you're going to pay the bills and the provision out the other side, He's not doing that so now you can put your feet up on the other side. Now, I am surely not saying, Oh, that means you got through cancer, you should go hunt for cancer again. You lost your job, you should quit it so you can go through that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is he brought you through that to lead you into new steps of service. He healed you so that you can be a voice of healing. He sustained you so that you can help that sister who is in your circle of life on the brink of snapping to be told, you don't need to give up. You can take this next step of faith. Your freedom is for more than you. Your rescue is for a greater purpose. Your trouble is behind you so that you can keep sticking out for Jesus. 
So morning arrives. The apostles lean into following Jesus. They lean into sticking out for Jesus because he's worth it. And they go right into the center of town where there is no hiding and they start preaching again. And the rulers gather up and they are clueless to the whole night's happenings. Verse 21, when the high priest and his associate arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin. That's the, the Jewish leader council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. Go get those, you know, troublesome menaces. Bring them to us. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Verse 24, on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. They're dumbfounded. They're like, how, what, I don't understand. The, the jail doors are still locked. The soldier has been standing there the entire time. They're not there. What's going on? Then, verse 25, someone came and said, look! The men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. Hey, come check out. Look out the window. Look, look who's in the middle of the temple right now, guys. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. That's a funny line, isn't it? The big, strong, mighty soldiers were afraid. And so they walk up to the apostles in the middle of the crowd as they're preaching, and they're like, um, could, could you maybe come with us, please? Which leads us to our second point. See, not only is Jesus worth sticking out for when trouble is in the rearview mirror, Jesus is worth sticking out for when trouble is right in front of you. He's worth sticking out for even when the trouble is looking you square in the eyes. The apostles, they don't fight, they don't resist, they don't start a riot, they just go with these soldiers. They just go along with them. Verse 27, Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. The high priest jumps in. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Now I want us to, again, internalize the text here, Bethel. Enter into the text. The scene we are in right now is only a couple months removed from the whole Easter weekend. We're maybe three or four months post-Easter, okay? Which, which means almost certainly the temple soldiers who came down and asked the apostles to come with them are the same guys 
who went to the garden with Judas and arrested Jesus at night. They're almost certainly the exact same guys. It was just three months ago that that went down. These are the same guys who Peter, he hides in the shadows watching at a distance as these same guys were the ones who blindfolded Jesus and beat him saying, prophesy who just hit you. That's these guys. The leader looking him in the eye right now saying, we told you to stop is the one who pulled the political purse strings in order to have Jesus tortured and executed just three months ago. If you watched all of that, surely those faces are burned in your minds, are they not? Those are the ones that the apostles are now willingly coming to. Okay, we'll come along. Jesus is worth living for when trouble is right in front of you. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The apostles have no trouble staring right into the eyes of these guys who killed Jesus, tortured Jesus. They watched the whole thing go down and they say, you killed him. You killed him. But God did all of this to save you. That's why Jesus came. He came, he lived, he died to save Israel, to save you. This is what we've been trying to tell you. This is what all these things that have you so jealous about why are the crowds flocking to us. It's not because of us. It's all because of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Your jealousy is missing the point that God is trying to be a witness to show you He really sent Jesus. Jesus really is the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. Turn to him. However you want to deal with us for sticking out, try your worst. Hammer us down. To which they are furious. When they heard this, verse 33, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. The smoke is exploding out of their ears. Their brains are about to burst and they're like, crucify these guys. But the apostles, 
the apostles are like, Jesus is worth it. They, they look them right in the eyes, and they're like, Jesus is worth it. Kill us right now. Jesus is worth it. And then this really unexpected moment happens where one of the other leaders sort of steps in, takes the mic. One of the leaders of this council. A Pharisee, verse 34, named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, this really respected guy, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be put outside for a little while. So the, the apostles are sent out of the room, and then Gamaliel addressed the council. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his people were scattered. In the present case, therefore, I advise you, just leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it's going to fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. This super-renowned Jewish leader, Gamaliel, stands up and reasons with the mob of angry elders and chief priests and Sadducees and Pharisees and talks them off the ledge. Kind of. Kind of. Gamaliel talks to the assembly and he talks them down from killing these guys, but don't miss the logic he is using here, okay? He, he points to these two other guys, Theodos and Judas of Galilee. And what he says is, those two guys were really just nobodies. And I know a few people rallied around them for a little bit of time, but just gave it a little bit of time, and then because they were nobodies, nothing came of it. And the inference is, that's most likely what we're going to find with this Jesus guy and these 12 characters too. It's just another nobody. And you guys are getting so worked up that you're going to create a riot when the mobs outside hear that we've just killed them and Rome is going to come in and squash all of us. And that's a horrible idea. So just back off and calm down. Don't worry about these guys. They're not a big deal. So in this moment, the apostles are brought back into the room. And, and you got to catch this. The only reason they're not killed is because they are shooed away as no ones. You, you guys are of no real significance. <laughs> we won't kill you, but <sighs> be done with you. And to all of this, the apostles are totally undeterred. They're like, okay, you want to make fun of us and call us nobody's fine. You want to string us up? Fine. It doesn't matter what you want to do. Jesus is worth it. You tried to crush him. He defeated your best attempt. What are you going to do to us? Try your darndest to hammer us down. 
Jesus is worth it. Think about that. Think about that in your own life here today. Think about what it means for you in your school, in your family, in your workplace, with your neighbors, to stand up for Jesus. Think about how often we cower. We say, I I don't really want the trouble that would come if I actually stood firm for my convictions about how God has made people how God has defined marriage. I I can't stand up and actually say that at work. Do you have any idea what that would cost me? What would I do with my retirement? We, We say, I don't want the trouble of what my buddies would say when when we're out and they just keep ordering round after round after round. I don't want the trouble that would come if I say, you know what, no, I'm, I'm not drinking. One's enough. I, I don't want the mocking and the joking and the, oh, it's because you're going to church now, isn't it? You're getting all holy now, aren't you? We say, I, I don't want the risk of inviting my friend to church, or there's Alpha coming up after Christmas, and there's this person that is my neighbor, and I'm thinking about whether or not I should invite them to come to the Alpha course to explore Jesus, but, but what are they going to say, and what if they shut me down, and what if they laugh at me, and what if they make some jokes about me? And so we back off. Out of the pages of God's word this morning, brothers and sisters, are the apostles looking us in the eyes and saying, don't you see Jesus is worth it? Don't you see Jesus is worth sticking out for? Bring your worst Sanhedrin. Literally string us up. Jesus has overcome your biggest attempts, the gravest enemies, the worst problems. What are you going to do to us? And we say, I don't want someone to laugh at me. I don't want someone to mock me. I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen in the future with my job. Jesus is worth it. When trouble is looking us right in the eyes, he's worth it. Sticking out for. Which leads us to our last point. Jesus is worth sticking out for even when trouble is upon you. Jesus is worth sticking out for even when trouble is upon you. Verse 40 says, His, it's talking about Gamaliel. His speech persuaded them. Oh, you might say, oh, that's really good. He persuaded them. They're not about to get hung up on a cross, except it says 
they called the apostles in and had them flogged. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Sometimes we see the first point that we have from our sermon, right? Sometimes God gets us through the trouble. He opens miraculously the jail doors. He sends an angel, and we spend but one night in jail. And it's like, oh, it's all good. Sometimes God does that. But sometimes we come face to face with the trouble, and he doesn't lift it. Now, I don't, I don't want to be graphic here. But that phrase, they flogged them. It, it means they ripped their shirts off, got out whips, and literally beat them to the point that their backs were torn to shreds. This was brutal. Torture. This is the kind of stuff today rightfully so, that you'd get thrown to a human rights tribunal for. That's not an exaggeration. They did not get out from under the trouble here. But look at what verse 41 says. Like you... The apostles left the Sanhedrin. What does it say? What does it say? They just had their backs torn to shreds and they're like overjoyed because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, for Jesus. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. These guys are so convinced that Jesus is worth living for, even after they are beaten, they walk out rejoicing. Now, this is not some sort of like sick, twisted thing that these guys had a weird, you know. They're rejoicing for two reasons. They're rejoicing, first of all, because in some small way, as they suffer, they are being united with Jesus who suffered for them. And secondly, they are rejoicing because it's thrusting their minds back to the fact that Jesus suffered for them. Jesus was flogged just like this. For who? For them. But it didn't just stop at a flogging. He was dragged along to the base of the cross. He was hung up on a cross. He was mocked and ridiculed and tortured and killed for them. Here's the reason why Jesus is worth sticking up for, even worth suffering for, Bethel. Because he has already suffered for you. He's already laid down his very life for you. He stepped in the gap for me and for you. He went to the cross, not because of anything he had done to deserve it. He lived the perfect life. His body was broken. His blood was shed for me. For me. How do I stand up and not shrink back? Because he didn't shrink back. 
even to the point of death and death on a cross. That's why Jesus is worth sticking up for. No matter what. Even when the gravest of trouble is upon you, 